Welcome to episode two of the My Golf Spy Insider podcast, where we go deep inside the golf equipment industry and invite you to listen as we talk with the people who, in one way or another, play a role in creating or influencing the gear that goes in your bag. My guest today is Chad Coleman, social media manager for Callaway Golf. Among his many responsibilities, it's Chad's job to make Callaway Golf look good on platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and once upon a very brief time, Peach. Seemingly always available online, Chad has spent the last several years doing his part to help transform Callaway from a stale and boring brand without an identity, uh, at least not one you'd want, to an industry leader and in some respects, the first modern golf company. Chad Coleman, thanks for taking the time to talk. My man, how's it going? No complaints. How, uh, how's life in California? It's going good. I, I, I think the reason you have no complaints is because you're a uh, new owner of a nice big hot tub. Is that correct? It is. Uh, yeah, it is. It's my baby. It is my my big eight foot by eight foot baby that keeps me warm at night and in the morning too. So I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty jealous. Yeah, the, the jetting. It's all about the jetting, man. I feel like this hot tub was like 10 months in the working for you. It, it was a solid 10 months at least. Did you like visit all the like hot tub forums and stuff and like read reviews on the different specs of uh, different hot tubs for making your decision? Or so that, that that's, that's a crazy thing, right? So we come from the golf world where there's a million reviews for everything. Right. Hot tub world, there's, there's basically nothing. Wow. And when you start to dig in, what you realize is you've got you know, one or two companies that are kind of putting their own stuff out there and hiding where it's coming from but unbiased objective stuff is nowhere to be found interesting but uh you know i mean what do you need with a hot tub you it's it's 75 degrees every day where you are it's you know what that that might be a good business opportunity for my golf spy to get into the you know unbiased honest reviews of hot tubs i feel like it's a market that's untapped we talked about my tub spy <laughs> my tub spy it's that's yeah, fantastic no, we're, we, we may do it if the golf thing doesn't work out i mean that's, that's definitely plan b right now that's amazing nice man yeah all's good out here in cali it's uh nice and we actually had like some rain for like the first time yesterday and which i love because i love when it rains here because we never get rain and i like forget what seasons feel like and all that jazz so uh but yeah no you know no complaints How's uh how's life with the with the little one? What are you two months in with the baby now? We're two months in, man. It's crazy. It's you know it's one of those things where people tell you how life changing it is and how fast they grow, and you hear that a million times. And not that I didn't believe them, but good lord, it is life changing. And my god, they do grow fast. I know you you come home from work right, and you're like, well, that's new. Yeah, exactly. She wasn't, she wasn't doing that when I left. Exactly right, and. You know, it's fun though. It's like when I'm leaving work or whatever, I'm excited to get home and there's, there's nothing like being a dad, as you know. Anything, anything really caught you by surprise so far? Like anything you're like, well, man, this, this wasn't in a manual. Oh, good question. I mean, I feel like right now we're at the stage where she's kind of like, she can't really, you know, crawl or anything yet. So she's pretty self-sufficient. I will say like we, we totally lucked out, I think, knock on wood that I mean she's a pretty good baby like she only really cries when she's hungry and she's can just kind of sit by herself and be content and it's we've gotten pretty lucky so uh in that regard I'm pretty happy but I think like obviously the the lack of sleep is 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 something to uh that's no joke but you know you just kind of get used to it and you kind of get in that mentality that like hey like I'm a dad now I'm a parent 
we're parents, we're going to be running on fumes and uh, we're going to be drinking a lot of coffee and that's just how it is. So let's just man up and do it, you know? I actually got somewhat lucky. Uh, my daughter was really particular about uh, feeding at night. Like she would not take a bottle from me. That was it. Really? Was not. Yeah, should have no part of it. Separately, like maybe after this, could you let me know, like you know, how you got into that? Because I would also like to figure out your ways on how you can get them to not want a bottle in the middle of the night. Oh, well, that would was, make my life a lot it was, easier. It was just not from me. Like, so that was the thing. So like my wife would have to, Oh, it was and, a you deal. It oh was yeah. It was, yeah. No, I, I almost <laughs> took it personally, but then I'm like, yeah, this isn't so bad. I can, uh, yeah. I can roll with this. I do feel bad for, I, I don't feel bad, but like not for nothing, but women are incredible. Their bodies are incredible. What they do as moms is insane. I, every day I'm like, you're awesome. Like, I can't believe that you're getting up and feeding her every, pretty much every night and you're, you know, doing everything and keeping the house together and all that stuff. So, you know, I have a whole new respect for just the, the female body in general after going through this. No, the stuff, I mean, beyond the body, the stuff my wife does that I know I have not, like my, my daughter wouldn't have been in school. I mean, she's in third grade now and I, I don't see how I could have figured out how to get her enrolled in school. <laughs> so yeah, I'm useless pretty much, but yeah, uh, we all are. It's okay. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm the primary keeper of the hot tub, though, so that makes me pretty popular around here. Yeah. So anyway, I guess we should talk about some golf stuff at some point. Sure, right? let's do it. I know you've told this story other places before, but maybe it's been a few years, and certainly I, I'm guessing some of our readers and listeners haven't heard. So why don't you tell your story of, of how you came to, to get into the golf world and, and work at Callaway Golf? Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of a, a funny story and a funny path, I would say. A lot of it had to do with being at the right place at the right time. So I, I grew up in Arkansas. I went to the University of Arkansas there. And I had obviously always a big golf fan. I always followed it um, religiously and played it, you know, in my in my spare time and everything growing up. So I was pretty golf obsessed. And at the time when I was graduating from Arkansas, I graduated in 2011. That's kind of when like the social media phase was kind of booming for in particular for brands and in particular for brands realizing that outsourcing their social media to their like ad agency was not the way to go because you can't have, you know, an agency running your social media handles as a golf company who doesn't know anything about golf and they're going to the verbiage they use is going to be wrong, it's going to be cheesy, it's going to be corny, they don't know how to speak to golfers, they don't know how to talk in that language, they're not ingrained in the culture of your company. And that applies for other industries as well. I'm just using golf as, a, as an example. And so at that time, I think a lot of big companies were kind of realizing that that movement. And so I saw an opportunity. I I think you're going to make me bring up the frozen yogurt thing. Oh, we got to uh, talk about some frozen yogurt. Man. That's, <laughs> that's actually why you're on. <laughs> yeah, kidding. I mean, well, in, in college, I, I there's this new like self serve frozen yogurt. You know, this is also the the heyday of the self serve frozen yogurt era. I know it well, man. It's they're the new fancy thing. Yeah, I mean, heck. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing concept that's withstood the test of time. But there was like a new frozen yogurt store on campus. It was called Orange Leaf. And so I I started working there just because it was really convenient. And it was like... You mean convenient access to frozen yogurt, right? It was free frozen yogurt. That's what sold me. And so I started working there part-time. Um, and then the owner was actually... He was from Tulsa. He was pretty hands-off. And he didn't really know much about social media so I, you know, I, I kind of realized that, you know, having a social presence for the company 
just being on a college campus like that. We had student night, we had deals running, we had, you know, we're trying to keep, but, you know, students coming in the door. I kind of realized that social should be kind of a big part of that. So I just, I asked him one day if, if he would just kind of let me take the reins. And again, this is very small scale, but uh, he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. He didn't really know or understand social. And so I got to kind of, kind of take that and run with it. And that's where I really gained an interest in social for brands and how trial and error, I can just do different fun things and run campaigns and see what worked and what didn't. And it worked out pretty well. Actually, the general manager quit and the owner asked me to be the general manager of the store my senior year. And I was also taking like full-time classes, trying to wrap up uh, all my credits and, and graduate and working, you know, 40 hours, 50 hours a week. It was kind of sad because like the, it was like right on the, the strip where all the bars are, uh, Dixon Street. And I would work like every Friday and Saturday night until like midnight. And there's this huge windows that just over that like are right on the street. And my fraternity house was uh, on one side. And then and so like I would just all night I would be sitting there checking people out <laughs> of uh, frozen yogurt or like wiping tables or mopping the floor. And all my friends would just be walking by like waving at me heading to the bars. It's kind of a sad scene. But it was fun. And so, that, you know, that's kind of where I got the interest in, in social and I and I started realizing that that's what I wanted to do in golf. I saw, you know, that in particular in the OEM space, there was a lot of improvements and a lot of opportunity to be made there that was kind of untapped. And so long story short, I, you know, I had followed a lot of people on social media in the golf industry, just being a fan myself. And Ashley Mayo was one of them uh, previously at Golf Digest. I think a lot of people are familiar with, with Ashley and she's awesome. And so i you know, I had interacted with her on and off for some time and, you know, she didn't really know me other than on Twitter. You were still, you were hashtag Chad back then too, right? Yeah, I was. Yep. I, uh, I was hashtag Chad back then. And then I just randomly one day I was like, you know what? I'm, I hate being that guy who's like trying to ask for a job or whatever. I, I hate being that guy, but I was like, you know what? I'm, a, I'm just going to like send Ashley my resume I really want to work in golf. I see there's a lot of opportunity. I really feel like I could make an impact somewhere. And if I'm ever going to have a chance to get in the golf industry, I need to just kind of go for it. And so I just sent her a message one day and I was like, Hey, I was like, you know, I, I really want to be in golf. Here's my resume. You know, I just want you to have it on file in case you ever hear of anything in the industry that you think might be a good fit or any openings. I would love to, you know, to put my hat in the ring kind of thing. And she actually called me and she was like, Hey, uh, it's like funny timing. I actually just got a, a call yesterday from Tim Buckman, who's been looking for a social media manager and they haven't really found the right person. So he was calling Ashley to see if she had any recommendations. And she was like, she told him at the time, I don't really have any recommendations, but she was like, I'll totally recommend you for this if you want me to. And I was like, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Were you a, were you a Callaway guy or excuse me? Uh, were you just kind of a, a golf guy? No, I, I was just a golf guy. I, I wasn't really, uh, any brand in particular, I had I had a bunch of different clubs in my bag from pretty much every manufacturer at the time. I wasn't really like super ingrained in the equipment culture at the time. And so I, I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And so like I, I got like connected with Tim and I basically kept bombarding Tim with emails uh, over and over again of what I would do if I was hired and here's what I think could change. Here's what I would do immediately if I were hired when I came in here's what I think the strategy should be for Instagram. Here's what I think the strategy should be for this and that. And 
I was kind of got to the point where I was like, am I being a little too overbearing? I don't know, maybe, but I was kind of banking on them kind of liking that enthusiasm because, you know, I had really no experience. I, I, at the time I was working a job out of college, you know, I retired from the frozen yogurt industry and, uh, <laughs> I was, uh working for a, a digital marketing company called rockfish interactive. And I was doing like social media content for big brands. Like some of our clients, were like Walmart, PF Chang's, um, Sam's club. So I was writing social copy and, and stuff like that for big brands. But I, just, I realized that like, I didn't have the freedom to make it what I wanted to because they're big brands and they have typically speaking like boring personalities. And so I had to kind of dumb it down and I couldn't really have any creative freedom. And I was like, you know what, this is just not for me. And I knew that I wanted to kind of get out of that world. So it, it really was like right time, right place. And from the time that I had like the first phone interview at Callaway and then I flew down for an interview in person and I got offered the job at the end of the interview and they're like, can you be out here in two weeks? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Let's do this. Was, uh, was this all pre Harry or was, was Harry, I mean, it was right about the time, right? It was literally the same. So like Chip had been hired like a month before that. And Harry was hired like on like pretty much maybe like two weeks after me. So like it was right when Chip and Harry came on board, which conveniently works in my favor because I can talk about the turnaround of the company happening whenever not just Harry and Chip were brought on board, but also me. <laughs> but also Chad, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that conveniently worked out for me. Um, no, but it's it was uh, it was actually, you know, it was a it was a really good time, obviously, to come in at the company because that was kind of at the lowest of lows at that point. And we had a just a total shift in the culture and the obviously the direction of the company with Chip and Harry, who I can't say enough good things about, just about their leadership and their vision. And, you know, it wouldn't have been possible to kind of take it to the next level and turn around the company if, if it weren't for A, their leadership and B, you know, Harry's willingness to let let me kind of own this thing and, and create a brand and a personality and a tone and a voice for Callaway on social. And I didn't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get things approved and that, you know, they kind of trusted me to run with it, which I think was what kind of set us up for success. I mean, we obviously a lot of things have not worked and I've done a lot of, you know, dumb things uh, in my time. Just Well, you're going to have to give me some examples right now. Um... I don't know any specific examples. I just, I know that like, you know, it was just a lot of like me just trial and error, you know, like trying to figure out what worked, what, what did people respond to? What makes our consumers tick on each, each individual channel? You know, it's, it's, we're talking to different people and different demographics on Instagram versus Facebook and what makes people tick and what, what kind of a, a voice do they like and what kind of a tone do they like? And, you know, a lot of it was just kind of trial and error at that point. But the fact that I had that trust and and the ability to just kind of run with it and do what I do what I wanted to and think outside the box a little bit really helped kind of start it up for Callaway. So how much of, of what you do from day to day is is well planned and, and sort of strategic versus Chad just being out there seeing what's going on and, and going where the day takes him? Good point. Yeah. I mean, I would say majority of it is is that. It's it's kind of the real time what's hot right now. Um, you know, we try to be a very accessible brand and we try to be timely and topical and, and talk about what our consumers are talking about and what they want to hear um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And then, you know, whenever it comes around to like product launch time, 
for like that half of the year when we launch and it hits retail and it's golf is in, you know, mid, mid form in the, in the season. And there's a more, there's a more calculated plan as to like content plan and around that. And how do we bring these products to life on social and how do we tell these stories in ways that are easy to understand in ways that, you know, we're, we're reaching our consumers. Everybody's moving so fast these days. They're walking around, they're scrolling on their phones, they're, moving quickly. So how do we capture their attention on each individual channel? And that means creating custom content for each channel to make sure that we're catering to the audience and what they're doing and their behaviors on that channel and making sure that we're, we're able to catch their attention and, and get them to consume our content and learn about our products. And we like to do that in a way that's not as like product heavy in the sense that like we don't just shove product down your throat and, and have it be like a one-way street. We want to build relationships with consumers, and you can see that through what we've done kind of with some of our personal Twitter accounts, just kind of trying to put the faces behind the brand of Callaway and getting consumers involved in what we do on a day-to-day basis and make them feel like they're part of our brand as opposed to someone that we're just trying to get them to buy products for. So a lot, you know, you'll notice a lot of the content we put out isn't necessarily strictly product-focused. You know, We do a lot of lifestyle stuff. We're about to launch a series of videos where we're highlighting some of our young guns players, Norman Jong, Sam Burns, Maverick McNeely, and uh, DJ Funk. So we're, we've like went and shot on location in their hometowns and, you know, showcasing their personalities and what brought them into golf and what, how they grew up and what inspires them. And, you know, hang out with them and just kind of get to learn more about them. And it's very, it's not product focused at all. It's more about, we want to showcase these cool personalities of these young kids who chose to play Callaway and and who we feel like represent our brand really well. And we just want that association. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, we look back, I go back to when, when Harry came on board and, and obviously you, right. I mean, steering everything, making it happen. Obviously me, right. Yeah. It's all you, but you know, we got to give Harry a little bit of credit so that he feels <laughs> better about himself. But no, when, when you guys sort of ramped up the, this idea of a new Callaway, right. Uh, one of the things we, we kind of talked about and joked about a little bit inside my golf spy is that it was very much felt like you guys were, were kind of pushing this idea to a degree that, Hey, no, this is your buddy, the Callaway golf company, right. It was very, yeah one-on-one and, and a lot of, a lot of back and forth, not just, just talking or, you know, tweeting, whatever you want to call it at the, at the reader, the consumer, the viewer. And, and to my surprise, you've, you've done a pretty good job of, of maintaining that. Cause to be honest, I thought it was unsustainable. And, and certainly I would say Harry's yeah. probably not as active as he used to be. And, and some of the others aren't as active as he used, as they used to be, but they're still there. They're still, Yep. You know, going back and forth with consumers. So that that's obviously a key to doing things the right way. That's at the core of our strategy. You know, it, it has to be maintained because that's that's our identity. You know, we we want to be the most accessible brand in golf. And that takes it's not easy to just say we're the most accessible brand in golf. It's and that's why I think it's been tough for competitors to, to match us in that respect, because it comes down to the people. It comes down to Harry willing to, you know, the dude is so busy. He's got his responsibilities have grown even more and more and he's still making himself available on, on Twitter to talk to consumers, to admit when we're wrong, to take feedback, to do whatever, to talk about the Falcons, to talk about, 
whatever, you know, it, it could be anything. But the point is that you have to have the people who are willing to be committed because it takes time. It takes a lot of time out of your day. It takes a lot of, a lot of dedication to, to be that transparent. And it's not easy at all. But it comes down to just do you have the people that are willing to do it? And, and we do, which is, you know, a good thing. So let's say I'm willing to to concede, at least for the moment, that what you guys are doing is a cut above what your competitors are doing within the same space. Does that does that come from, do you think, the difficulty? In, is it just a matter of difficulty? Or are there, do you think there's some fundamental flaws in, in some of your competitor strategies when it comes to social media? Yeah, it's... Uh... I think a lot of it is difficulty because again it takes it takes a lot of a lot of time and a lot of commitment every single day weekends doesn't matter what time it is or when it is like you have to be available and you have to be super committed to to that kind of philosophy and then also like you'll see people from our competitors competitive brands who have kind of tried to to do that a little bit and I don't know I think it's you know forced uh it still comes <laughs> off as, it still comes off as like off-putting um from some people and it still comes off as not authentic and so there's like a balance of how you how you have to do it in order to create the trust of these consumers right you know we're we'll be the first to admit if we make a mistake and if if something if we did something wrong or if if somebody has like a bad piece of feedback for us or or they're mad about something like we're the first to listen and to like understand them and to try to help them out with that. And it just, it's, it seems to me like some other companies are trying to get the kind of personality driven characters within their companies out there, but it still comes off as inauthentic because at the root of it, they're still very marketing-y or very unapproachable. I mean, I think it's probably evolved across the entire industry and I'd say some brands have stepped up. Yeah, their and game. just sorry, just real quick, I want to like also say that our competitors do a really good job, um, and they've gotten a lot better um, over the past couple of years. It's it's the social space in golf is a is very competitive, and so it's a testament to to our competitors that they've they've have done a lot better job. I think where we still win is the creative content and the you know personality driven stuff, but. They've come leaps and bounds better, and the the competition is is getting better and stronger. So, is there within within the golf world? Is there anybody you'd single out and say, "Hey, no, these guys really are doing a good job," and and we certainly respect what they're what they're trying to accomplish? Yeah, I think you know TaylorMade does a does a really good job uh, in the sense that you know their their strategy is way different from ours. Like, could not be polar opposite. It's obvious, and I think they would admit that like their entire strategy from social to retail to TV to digital is is centered around those big tour guys that they have on staff, which tour tour tour, yeah. Which why wouldn't it be when you have guys like that on your staff? But for all intents and purposes, if their strategy is you know these guys play tailor made, so that's why you should. Our strategy could not be more different. Our strategy is we have cool uh, ambassadors for the Callaway brand that play our equipment on tour, and and we think that they represent who the Callaway brand is because they're fun and cool and interesting and guys that you would kind of want to hang out with. And they think we think they represent our brand. They may not be like your Dustin Johnson's or your Rory McIlroy's, but, but also like we want people to play the product that's best for them. And we're the, the good thing that, you know, that we have going for us is our CEO chip brewer is highly regarded as the, you know, the best in the biz. And he's a very product focused guy 
and he lets our R&D team have free reign to just create the best products they can possibly create. And so we're confident that when a consumer goes into a fitting bay and they try Callaway stuff, that we're going to win in the fitting bay. And we want, we'll say first and foremost, if something else is better for you, that's awesome. Like play that. Like we want you to play what's best for the golfer. We want, we want to make golf more fun for everyone, but we're confident that, you know, in our product lineup from top to bottom, that we have technologies that are, that are innovative in each category that are going to help golfers play better golf. And so really our strategy is to create these relationships with consumers over social and digital to where at least when they go into a golf shop to, to test out a new driver or whatever it may be that they at least put Callaway in their consideration set because we're confident that more times than not, we're going to, we're going to come out on top. So, so you're out there trying to build relationships and, and hopefully they're positive relationships, but on, on social media, that isn't always the case. Certainly we know uh, people can be pretty nasty. So for you, what's, is there kind of a firm line in the sand where you say, all right, that's it. We've, we've got to block this guy. We've got to cut him off. You know, what, what are the ground rules as far as, you know, dealing with the, I guess the less than ideal side of things? Yeah. I mean that, that comes with the territory. You know, I, I it's very, very rare that someone is on a troll level where we're like, all right, this guy is just like, we got to block him. He's just, you know, it's, it's rare that you get that person. They do come along every once in a while, but for the most part, people are pretty like, understanding in terms of like being able to listen and hear us out if they have an issue or if they're trolling and and at least come to like common ground and we you know we really want to take that feedback head on and we don't want to hide from it and obviously uh we at the Ryder cup uh last week phil hits his phil hits it in the water to concede <laughs> the Ryder cup and then immediately that's, like that's Phil's, your fault right <laughs> phil, yeah those Chrome soft commercial plays, which, you know, <laughs> first of all, like people don't realize that like we, it's not like we could have just pressed a button and told that commercial to not play, but abort, abort. But obviously like that was not good timing and that was a mess up on our part. And like we had, I had a couple people tweet me and I, you know, I responded like I publicly like quote tweet responded them and was like, you know, you win some, you lose some, like that was not good. That was poor timing. There's not really a ton we could have done about it. I guess we could have thought about it more ahead of time. Like is the potential outcome worth the risk of placing this ad here? Because we, you know, you have to do it days in advance and you can't, and it's pretty locked in, which there's an argument there. Uh, it's funny though. Cause like pretty much everyone thought that like we could just press a button and could have canceled that. And that's not the case. Like obviously uh, the way things work. Like it, commercials are scheduled tweets, right? Same thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, they have a good point. Like they, that was, that was a uh, pretty unfortunate on our behalf. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you just take it head on, you have fun with it and you just try to, you know, we're, that was kind of a good example of, of a time whenever we kind of were like, yeah, you're right. That, that, that kind of sucked. And that was not good for us. Do you get, do you feel like you get put on the hook a lot when, when somebody who, who plays Callaway does something that you know, rubs a segment of the, the populace the wrong way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, people are the first to kind of call out your brand. If, if, uh, you know, if, if you have a player who does something visible, even, ha even if it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, with us, they just associate us with them. And that happens, you know, from time to time, not often, but again, you just gotta, you just gotta take it in stride and, and just be honest with people and talk to them about it. And there's, there's humans behind these accounts. And, and a lot of the times, not every time, but a lot of the times they're willing to have an actual decent conversation about something and come to, you know, a reasonable conclusion and we can all move on. 
Do you have a like an all-time favorite troll? All-time favorite troll. It's got to be just some guy that you were like is so amazingly horrible. I'm not gonna call you. You're trying to get me to call someone out. I know what you're well, trying you know, to do. You don't have to give me a name. I mean, <laughs> um, no. I think if if there are those people, it's just people who are like, and I'll be the first to admit, we have those people who are super Callaway fans that probably do it to other brands. But it's like oh, the people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, we have one of those brands they do it to from time to time. Yeah, like they're super super passionate about a competing brand, and that means that they like if we send a tweet about. Chrome Soft is a good golf ball. They're the first to comment and be like, "Oh, it's not as good as the TP5, or it's not as good as the, the Pro V1." Or, like that ball sucks. I'm a Pro V1 all day, or whatever the case may be. Like for whatever brand, and like, cool. And then you look at like their Twitter bio, and it's like number one Taylor Made fan, or number one Titleist fan, or whatever. And like, dude, like more power to you. We have we have those kind of super loyal fans, and I freaking love them. Like they're the kind of fans that we love the most we love those like super super engaged and super passionate fans and that's kind of the centerpiece of the sphere of influence that we call it so that's awesome more power to you i just think it's funny that people feel the need to like to make those comments you know i mean we get it from from all sides obviously with what we do so if if you know if a callaway club doesn't finish well in a test or a tailor-made club doesn't finish well in a test it's blasted just it right. comes from all over and you're like oh come on guys you know it's just yeah, i know but like you said that, that's part of the deal you, you it's part of the deal yeah exactly right so if we if you project down the road right um certainly if we look at when harry and and you right when you came in and and changed the face of social media for the golf industry uh, it certainly evolved quite a bit from where it was i'd say six seven years ago right it's when you started yeah, that's crazy so, so where do you, where do you see it going? Like what is, what is the future of social media and, and more specifically social media and golf? It's it's funny because it, it changes day by day, right? So like new platforms will come and go. Um, yeah, how's your how's your how are you guys doing with Vine? Is that is that still moving? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and Snapchat and and Peach. Remember Peach? I don't remember. Pe- uh, wow, Peach must have come and go, came and went so fast I didn't even see it. That was one of them that was like literally like so hyped up for like i i kid you not it was like two days and then all of a sudden it was gone so those kind of things will come and go and platforms will come and go but the idea of connecting on a personal level with your fan base and your consumers through like personality driven content will always be the same and always be like the centerfold of our of our social strategy and so like that the idea of that will translate into whatever new platform that we decide to get on and we're we're not the kind that's just jumps on every new platform because we're like, we think it's cool to be the first golf brand on, on peach or whatever, (laughs) whatever it may be. You know, we want to make sure that we're, I'm not convinced you didn't make that one up. I really think you missed it because I have no, you're going to, you're going to have to Google it after this. And and uh, there needs to be like an oral history on it. It would be the shortest, shortest oral history ever, but it's it's, it's my afternoon trying to figure out if my golf spine needs to go on peach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the idea of, the, of that concept will will always be around, and so we want to make sure that whatever channel that Callaway decides to, to get on, we have a strategy for it. We have the resources to put out good custom content for that channel because we want people to experience Callaway different than they experience any other brand on social. And so that means that every channel has custom custom made content for it, sized and shot differently. 
you know, for whatever channel it may be, it's not just taking one photo and blasting it on every platform with the same caption. It's trying to figure out what people respond to most on Instagram versus Instagram stories versus Facebook and Facebook live and Twitter and all that stuff. So peach, yeah, peach, we really try to create unique experiences in all those channels. And I think that's kind of what helps set us apart is um, having a, a, an actual strategy and keeping that strategy going with, with these channels. So it's in terms of like what the future looks like, it's, it's tough to say in terms of like, actually like what platforms will determine the future, but we're committed to this kind of personality driven content, whether it's from the people at Callaway and the culture, or it's from our tour pros that we sponsor, or it's for other people that we are partnered with, whether it's like Traeger grills or Red Bull or Vice sports or all these, you know, other companies that we've, that we've partnered with in the past that just help tell our story in a new and unique and exciting way. Do you tell your tour pros to, to tweet stuff on your behalf to give them instructions? Never. Never? No. I think there's probably a fair amount that, that does go on out there where it, you know, sort of uh, scripted, to say the least. That's my favorite thing is that that actually still happens because it definitely does still happen. And me and you talk about this separately a lot. Is, and, it's, and it's painfully obvious. You know, it's painfully obvious when it, when it happens. And it's whatever like that, that. Maybe that's, you know, that's how some people want to do it. But the most we'll ever do is educate our, our pros on on what products are important to us and what the technologies that are important to us um, and try to get them to understand the, the technology and the, and the product and, you know, how that aligns with our marketing strategy. And then, you know, we want them to do whatever they want to do. They, we want it to be natural. You know, we never will ask for like a specific post. It's more about like, Hey, like we would obviously love for you to, to share your thoughts on this, but only, only if it's like from you and in your words and what you really think about it on your schedule. <laughs> yeah. On your schedule. I mean, it, it, you know, it comes off as, you know, you see the, uh, you see some, some companies doing like the parlay of like tour pros responding to other tour pros tweets about like products and like the fake banter back and forth about, how like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like how you can tell is like, uh, has multiple layers of, of schedule. You feel like it's, it's just one guy who's got like six accounts up on his screen. And he's like, All right. exactly. Yeah. And that's now this guy funny. says this, like he's writing a script, something like a screenplay. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So, and obviously consumers aren't dumb golf, golf consumers aren't idiots for the most part. Uh, for the most part, that's fair. <laughs> No, I mean, just like generally speaking, like everyone can kind of sense that, you know, everyone can kind of sniff that out. And so if that's still something that you feel like you got your brand wants to do, then great. That's not really where, where we're going with it. But so you, you just can, you are in control of the Callaway account and the hashtag chat account, or that's, that's the extent of it. Yeah. Callaway accounts. Um, and then I kind of oversee Odyssey. We have Tony Toulon here who works for me, who, um, is doing an awesome job with Odyssey. And so I kind of oversee that just from like a kind of a higher level perspective, but yeah, every day to day, everything that comes from any Callaway channel is, is from me and interacting with people. And so that keeps me busy enough. <laughs> you're, not, you're not fielding te texts from Harry's like, yo, Chad, tweet this, tweet it now, tweet it now. No. And luckily that that's like kind of my worst nightmare is, is cause you know, you have a lot of people in the organization who, and I've, I've said this for forever. Like the reason that we're able to succeed is because we have someone like Harry at the top who, who he just gets it, you know, like it's either you get it or you don't when you're at that kind of a level, the level that he's at in the company and he gets it and he, he understands it. And so to have his backing and support and understanding 
is like monumental for, for us being able to have that freedom. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to ever push me to do something I don't want to do or say anything I don't want to do. And he has my back if anybody else does. And, but that rarely happens anyway. But it, it starts from having someone like Harry at the top, who's the decision maker, who believes in it and can have your back on, on that going, you know, going forward. So we, we talked real brief or not briefly, but we talked about trolls and, and kind of cutting them off and what the rules are there. What about with other brands? Because occasionally it does get testy from time to time. I think, you know, maybe maybe the best example in the social media world is, is something like a Wendy's where there it's just not you know, there's no fear about you know firing back. at Oh, other my God. Brands. I love Wendy's. Right. Exactly. It's fantastic. Wendy's is the goat. Wendy's is the goat Twitter account. So is that I mean, do you take inspiration or do you, you know, when when it does get sometimes right every now and then oh, shots definitely. get fired between brands? I mean, what, what are the rules of engagement there? Yeah, that's a really good question. Like, I don't think there really are any rules. Like, I'm in the camp of let's have fun with each other and let's like goof on each other and stop taking like everything so seriously. But I don't feel like that sentiment is also shared with other equipment companies. Uh, well, you are you are blocked in some cases. Is that correct? I am blocked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm blocked by uh, by TaylorMade. So is Harry. You know, have been for a while. So. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. Is your your personal account is not private? That's correct, right? Right. Hashtag Chad is open to the public. It's open for biz, baby. <laughs> right. Yeah, but you know, it's like one of those things where it's like I wish that like I had the level of comfort to go to TaylorMade, for instance, for the match between Tiger and Phil, and like, hey, like let's put let's let's have some fun with this, and let's have some banter, and let's kind of figure out a way that we can just have fun with this with each of our players and our products, and but I just don't. I mean, obviously, A, I don't have a way to reach out to them because I'm blocked, but, but B, I just don't feel like that that's something that they would that they would be into. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Well, somebody at TaylorMade's bound to hear this and, and think about it anyway. Yeah, and and I don't want it to sound like I'm ragging on them because I'm not. I have a lot of – I have some friends over there, and they're doing a good job. You know, they always they always have been, and they always they continue to do a good job, and they're uh, a good competitor of ours. And I just think that – People take it too seriously sometimes, and and I would love to have like kind of the Wendy's vibe in terms of just not giving a crap and having that outlook on it. But I don't feel like that's very uh, accepted for. Yeah, some I would other say, people. do you do you fight at all that this idea that that golf is still perceived as this very proper kind of game that in in some cases is is almost seen as a game that's not supposed to be any fun. Yeah, you know, and and golf will always fight that stigma, I think. And that's what, you know, we're we're trying to be kind of the opposite of that at least in the the social and digital space that golf is golf can be fun and golf equipment companies can have like a personality and you can feel like they're like your friend that you can talk to and and you can have input and in, in what we do and the the people and the culture behind Callaway because that's, you know, the culture here is something that is so strong that is that's why it's so important for us to to put that first and foremost because we have the people we have in this company i mean it's awesome like no job is too small for anyone you'll have harry could be packing boxes on a friday night and it wouldn't be a big deal like it's people are here to help each other and we have really good personalities and a really good culture and that's that's why it's so important to us to to let that shine and that was mr callaway's whole philosophy you know when he was with us was the culture of Callaway is different and better and that's what we hang our hat on and you know that kind of trickles down through all departments and it's a really a really fun place to you know to work and 
it's it's been really an amazing turnaround you know, going back again before you started like callaway kind of had the rep as is kind of the stuffed shirts of carlsbad you know just yeah no, no fun at all so i mean it's been yeah i total 180 i got in at the I got in at the right time. Oh, you, you know? again, man. It's got to be. Yeah, it, uh, because I wasn't here for like the years before that, but, you know. I've, the Diablo years? Yeah, yeah, the uh, the hitting golf balls on <laughs> the roof of whatever over the Bellagio. Over, uh, over the um, mountains, right. You should do that again. You know, that was that well. was a different time. At, yeah, <laughs> that was a different time in a different place, and um, it's not easy to change the entire perception of a brand we're still in the process of doing it. We've made good, good strides, I think, but it's, you know, we still have a long way to go. And it's crazy when you think about the amount of work it takes to, to change completely the way people view your brand. And it takes time. One thing is it just takes time and it takes dedication to that strategy uh, over time to really kind of get that ingrained in consumers' heads. And it takes a commitment to, to doing that. So yeah, I kind of got in at the right time. It kind of felt when I started, it felt like we were a startup because everything had changed. I mean, everything from the way that our marketing team was was set up to everything was completely flipped uh, in, 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 a, in a good way, you know? It's funny. So, I mean, you, I don't even know if you remember. So the last time I was out at Callaway was not long after you and, and Harry started and, and the change was kind of just really beginning. Right. And, you know, we, we left there going, man, these, these guys don't seem to, to quite have a hold on, on what they're doing yet. It was, you know, there was some transition going on at the company at that time. So it was, we kind of came in at, at like right in the middle of all of it. And to yep. see now how everything just, how smoothly everything seems to run compared to when it was, from, again, as, as Harry was just kind of getting in there and, and working with chip to, to change the company and literally change every aspect of it for the most part. So, yeah. And I think, you know, the underlying aspect of it is, is that the product speaks for itself. You know, at that point, chip kind of came in and, and took the reins off of our R and D team and they were being very constricted on meeting certain price, you know, certain cost per club and what it takes to produce it. And chip kind of goes, I don't care about that. Make the best freaking club make the best freaking three with that you can and the product is going to speak for itself and that's a testament to chip's leadership and you know he's always been a, a product guy and we wouldn't have been able to do this if we hadn't had the quality product that we've that we've had starting really with like x hot we've you know just gotten better and better and i, I feel like we've made like you know actual noticeably improved and improvements and technology in clubs over the years that is you know a testament again to chip saying to our r&d team nothing is off limits figure out you know let's try new things and then you come up with jailbreak and you come up with graphene and golf balls and that kind of thing that is just kind of makes monumental leaps and in, in the platforms of our technology and and golfers are seeing that that benefit you know it's it's awesome whenever you see like when we first introduced jailbreak with epic and to see i, I don't know if you've heard but i never got an epic <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Oh, that's <laughs> one of my favorite niche jokes with you is uh, we'll never die. It will never ever die. So it's a, it was awesome to see a technology like that that we thought outside the box. We figured out how to make it happen. It was not easy from a um, logistical standpoint and a manufacturing standpoint to put the jailbreak bars in the driver and produce it on a mass scale. It's very difficult to actually do. 
but our guys just figured it out and it's a noticeable jump in technology. And obviously it took us to number one driver and we've had the number one selling driver every month since January, 2017 when Epic launched. So it's a good platform for us and we're going to, you know, it's exciting to, we have some good stuff in store for some really, really good stuff in yeah, store. I was going to say, 20, what, do you, what do you got coming to 2019? Give us a little hint. I, w- I won't tell her. Uh, a lot of good stuff from top oh, to on. bottom. I think I, we just had our sales meeting and I've never seen like our entire sales group of salespeople so jacked about a lineup of product from top to bottom as they are that we have going into next year. So that'll be, that'll be fun. We'll, we'll be able to share in the, in the coming months. Months. No, not even days, just months. Look at you. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to keep you guessing. Oh man. All right. Before, before I let you go, let's cycle all the way back to the beginning here. I'm not going to let you go until you tell me what you think is the best frozen yogurt flavor. Uh, I always go cake batter. Really? My go-to move, I love cake batter. My go-to move is I'll do half cake batter or cheesecake. It kind of depends on, on my mood. And then the other half, chocolate. And then I'll go Butterfinger, Rainbow Sprinkles. And have you ever had the little mochi balls? Yeah, I'm not a big mochi guy. I like the, the – You know what mochi guy? Popping boba is my thing. Ooh, see, I'm not a, I'm not a boba guy. Oh, Damn. But I, you know, I'll throw a few mochi on there. And what else do I usually get? Oh, a little, maybe some pecans or something, but I kind of keep it pretty oh simple. My that's kind of my go-to. That is, oh, that's, that's awful. What's your go-to? Everything gets rotated in and out, but I'm always looking for a mango something. Like a, like a tart mango. Really? Oh, so oh, yeah. you go, you go tart. Okay. Yeah, I'm a tart guy. See, like I, never, mango, I never go tart. Give me a nice peach, like the... The, the original flavor, or sometimes it's billed as Euro tart that you know, nobody knows what that flavor is. It's sort of like just unflavored tartness, I guess. So you're, you're an original tart boy. Yeah, tart and like, like a mango. I, I like the sweeter kind of fruitier stuff. No nuts. Boba, throw a ton of Kit Kat on it. I mean, just, just make it as unhealthy as you possibly can. Is this your order or your daughter's order? No, it's mine. Like she, she actually. What does she go with? Uh, you know, she, she's. So we have two to three chocolates on, on tap at any time, and she'll go for, like, all three chocolates, and then she'll put, like, some fudge on it. Power move. I, lo- I See, I like, her, I like her strategy yeah, there. Yeah, as soon as we walk through the door, I'm younger than she is. That's just, I mean, like, this weird <laughs> thing that happens. We're like, she's very mature about the serving size, and I'm like, let's see how much yogurt I can fit in this cup. I think I learned something from last time. I think we can challenge the capacity <laughs> limits. Yeah. It's so funny because I – one of the uh, – Jailbreak my frozen I, yogurt. When I was working at Orange Leaf, we did one night, we did like a, a promo, like one night of the week where you get all you can fit into a cup for like a certain amount. Oh, it was all you uh, know. We used to have, we called it Menchie's Monday here. They they stopped doing it. I think it might've been my fault, but it was all you can eat, <laughs> $5. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And, it was, and we, and I'm like, game on. For some of the people, it was mind blowing how much some people can stack into one cup of frozen yogurt if their life depended on it. It was insane. Chris Nickel puts on a show. You, I mean, Does he? Yeah, I think I think maybe we'll meet up at the PGA show. We'll go get some frozen yogurt, and you can just watch Chris go Just to learn, work. learn from the master. Yeah, I feel like I've actually seen – well, he posts a lot of ice cream content. Oh, yeah. He posts, oh, he, like a, yeah. he posts a lot of ice cream content on Twitter, and I, I know that's kind of a, his thing, and I like it because I'm a big ice cream guy just in general. So I'm always like super jealous when he posts that oh, stuff. But. Uh, you get him in a, in a frozen yogurt place. He's like one of these guys that slams the, the bowl on the counter to try and get the air out and really pack it in. It's, it's, oh, wow. It's impressive and frightening. See, not many people know that move. 
does he go through and get like five tasters to like go taste everything first? I, I think he just gets a little everything in there. Like I don't, I don't okay. even think it matters. I think just kind of unhinges. It. I think I, I think he ate the cup once. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we'll have to go at the PGA show this year. Get some uh, get some local local flair. All right, man. That's a that's a great place to leave it. I will if I if I don't for some reason or some amazing reason see you sooner. Uh, I will see you at the end of January. Um, so until then, hey, thanks for thanks for taking the time to chat about social media and frozen yogurt. Anytime. Enjoy that hot tub. I want the invite next time I'm in town. Come over and chill. You got it. Thanks for joining us on episode two. We'll be recording episode three soon. In the meantime, if there are any people you want to hear from, topics you'd like discussed, leave a comment, reach out and let us know, and we'll do our best to make it happen.